Good morning. And my name is Mike. If you've had a chance to meet one of the ministers here, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm enjoying wearing uh, short sleeves instead of having to wonder what kind of coat I need to wear for a given day. Um, who, who was expecting? Who, did anyone have snow? Did anyone? Ex- in your like weekly weather guessing, did you have snow on April 18th? If anyone had snow on April 18th, man, you, you're you're awesome. Uh, I, I had uh, like t-shirt and shorts and, and like 75 degree weather. And, and so I, I was way off on that, uh, on that guess. And so, uh, but, uh, but uh, one, one thing we know is that God is uh, sovereign. He knows all things. And, and sometimes uh, that means the weather is going to do crazy things for us. And so we, uh, we are glad that you're here with us today. Before we go any further, though, let's uh, pause and go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you know all things. Father, in you we trust that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. That, Father, you give us um, gifts for, for our benefit. You give us gifts that, that we can use for the benefit of those around us. And so, Father, I pray that today uh, we might receive this gift from you. Father, be it the songs that we've sung that have, have lifted our spirit. Father, they have, have drawn us closer. They have given us a, a, a picture and an image of your love for us. Father, would you receive these praises today? Father, today as we hear from your word, as we eventually, as we, we go about our week, Father, would you empower us to do your ministry, your mission, to fulfill your task that you have for us as we leave here today, that we can glorify you not just in this place, but that we can be char- recharged and, and, and invigorated here, enthused here, that we can go and share that enthusiasm with those around us, that you can be glorified through us that you may be made famous because of the things that we do, the things we say. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, we start a new series called Go Big. And we, it kind of started at the end of last week, because as last week, as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, uh, uh, that kind of began this new thing. As David said, the resurrection about Jesus changed everything. On Friday, Jesus hanging on the cross, dead. And everybody thought that was... The end. It looked like the end. It looked like the clock had gone triple zeros. It looked like the game was over. It looked like we had lost as Jesus was hanging from a Roman cross. But as we know, as we get to look back, we know that that was not the end. We know that that was, not the, it was, that it was just the beginning. It was the beginning of something new. Remember, Jesus in the upper room, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus came to start something new. He didn't come to start uh, Judaism 2.0. It was an update of an old thing. He came to change their entire view of what faith was, about what, how they interacted with God, how they, how, what would their relationship with God would be like, and how that would continue going forward. As Jesus says, this is a new covenant. New means it replaced something old. Has anyone ever got an old car, a new car? What do you do with the old car? Well, maybe you pass it down to a child, maybe. But, but usually if you get a new car or a car that's new to you, the old car is, is no longer in your fleet, right? This is my new car. That was my old car. The old car is no more. The old car had served its purpose. It went away. You know, when you get a new house, unless you just like to have multiple houses and make multiple house payments, usually the old house is transferred to someone else and you have your New house. Well, the old covenant went away. And Jesus said, this new covenant is here. 
And this new covenant's been around so long that it's kind of hard for us to keep calling it new because it's, it's, just, it's always been there for us. And so maybe because it's new, but it's something that feels kind of old, maybe for you, maybe it's gotten kind of stale. It's kind of just old pad. It's kind of routine. Maybe your faith is growing a bit stale, a bit predictable. Maybe sometimes church is just tolerable. It's something that I do out of duty. It's Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, do, I, 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 I get up and go to church. And there's no life. And it's just kind of, I, I'm just checking off the list because that's what I do. Sunday morning, is I, that's where I go. And so I come and I do my duty. Do my duty before God. So there's more duty than desire. And sometimes it translates into our community life as well, right? Some of you, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. What's the bare minimum for me to get by? What's the bare minimum for me to stay connected? What's the bare minimum for me to feel like I'm, I'm close to God? I'm going, to, I'm going to just do the bare minimum. And so we do the bare minimum. And we just kind of go through life. And sometimes our, our faith is just something we do, but it has no effect on, it has no bearing on who we are. So sometimes it feels like our, our faith, sometimes it feels like our church is stuck in neutral, right? Have you ever tried to go anywhere in neutral? I mean, the engine is on, and you can rev the engine. You can, you can, you can rev it up really good, but you're not going to go anywhere, right? I mean, if you take your foot off the brake, you might roll backwards. You might happen to be rolling forward if you're, if you're pointed in the right direction, but, but you're not going to get anywhere real fast. I mean, gravity will win. Gravity will eventually move you somewhere, but, but you're not really going anywhere with purpose. And sometimes it feels like life. Sometimes it feels like our faith. Sometimes it feels like church is just, we're just kind of stuck and neutral. And we need to get ourselves engaged in gear. See, we look back and we look at the cross. And they thought that was the end. That end was really just a new beginning. The end was, what they thought was the end was really a new way of looking at life. It was not the end at all. It was the beginning of an incredible new way of life. And so how can we return to this new way of life, both individually and corporately as a church? How can we better fulfill the mission God has left for us here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown? As a man by the name of Christian Schwartz, he wrote a book called Natural Church Development. And it highlight, in, the, in that book, he highlights eight characteristics of healthy, vibrant, growing churches. And over the years, they have surveyed over 70,000 churches uh, on, in 84 different countries and on six different continents. I think that's a pretty uh, wide swath of the global church. You can, they, they've surveyed, surveyed traditional churches and contemporary churches, high churches where the, where, the, where the ministers wear robes and low churches where they probably wear shorts. So anywhere in between, right? They, 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 they've uh, surveyed theologically conservative churches and theologically liberal churches. Churches on every, uh, of every description, every denomination. If you can name a description of a type of church, they probably have surveyed them. And in them, they have found eight present but active in churches that are growing and advancing the kingdom of God. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be uh, uh, going through the book of Acts. And as the church starts, we're going to look and we're going to find these eight characteristics in this new church. And we're going to see how we can put them together, how we can begin to use them here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. At some point along the way here, we will um, uh, be taking a survey as a church together to kind of look at what these, see how these eight characteristics Line them so that how, how, how do we view them? How do we see them 
in our church. And so we're going to ask at least 30 individuals, even more if possible, to take this survey so that we can get a good picture of who we are as a church and how we can grow and advance going forward. We're going to see how we can make them a part of our church, how we can begin to get ourselves more in a, in a better gear here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown, that we can begin to advance and thrive in ministry again. And so as we look at the, the story of the early church, let's start at the very beginning. And so if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Remember, as we start Acts 1, this is just weeks, weeks, just days even, after Jesus has resurrected. And he, as we will learn in this text today, that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples after, his res, after the resurrection. So Jesus has, has died, he is resurrected, and 40 days later, he is about to be ascended back up into heaven. But during this time, he is meeting with his disciples, he is teaching them, he's passing on things to, to help them continue in ministry, to do those things that he's now passing the baton onto them to do. And so now comes the day for him to ascend back into heaven. And as he ascends, he gives them his f- final marching orders. As we look at the book of Acts, it might be helpful to know that this is the second volume of a two-volume work. It was written by a man named Luke, who was a doctor and travel companion of the Apostle Paul. And we will meet him in a few weeks here. Now, Luke uh, also wrote a gospel that bears his name. And Luke is a phenomenal uh, historian. He, he researched and he uh, sought out eyewitness testimony. And so he, he researched and documented these things and he put them together into uh, two clear, concise documents. One is the life of Jesus and one is following the, the life of his disciples in the early church as they advance the mission of Jesus even after he's gone away. Read through, uh, maybe it might be helpful in, in the coming weeks to read through Luke, to read, to read through Acts and see them as, as one uh, document, one uh, uh, continuous history of what God is doing in this world. And so over the few, over the coming weeks, we're going to walk through the early church and we can, t- the life of the early church, and we can believe and trust the testimony that Luke wrote down for us as he, as he got this eyewitness testimony from those who were there, those who lived through these days. This is what he writes for us. Here's in my former book, Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself, uh, himself to them uh, and gave testimony, convincing, uh, convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is is not for you to know the times or the dates. My father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently 
into the, up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus and his disciples, Jesus with his disciples, and, and maybe they were, you know, maybe in the first part of this conversation, maybe they're back in the upper room. Maybe they were along the way. And, and they were there, they're eating together. They were, they were uh, spending time together. Jesus was teaching them, he was instructing them. And, and he's helping prepare them for those times when he truly will not be there anymore. See, when Jesus said that in the upper room the first time, they thought Friday was the end. They thought when Jesus was on the cross, that's what he was talking about when he was going away. But Jesus knew that he was going to rise again. Jesus knew that there was going to be time he was going to have some more time with them. But there was going to be a time when he was going to leave, not to be physically with them anymore. And he said, hey, why, when, when I go, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait. Wait here for the gift my father promised. Remember, the, remember in the upper room, we were there that night, and, and I said, I'm going to go away, but, the, but God will send you a helper. He will send you an advocate. He will send you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus reminds him that there's this gift that is coming, this helper that is coming, and they need to stay in Jerusalem to receive the gift. He reminds them of the teaching of John. Many of these, uh, these guys were, were disciples of John the Baptist even before they were disciples of Jesus. And so they had followed John. They had heard John's teaching. And John, he was like, John baptized with water. John baptized with water, but you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're probably sitting there. They're still probably a bit confused. They, they, things are starting to come together, but things, it's not a clear picture yet for them. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit, but there was still something that was promised that was going to come from God, that was going to come over them to help, help them fulfill the mission that God has for them. And you can tell. You can tell that the disciples still don't get the point, right? They still kind of miss out because as they're there together, they're like, they're like, Jesus, is at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking physical. They're still thinking tangible. They're still thinking something they can see. For them, Roman and the nation of Israel is still the most paramount thing in their life. And Jesus is like, it's never been about country. It's never been about nation. It's always been about the kingdom of God. The disciples are like, are you, are you going to run the Romans out now? Are you going to give us back our country? And there's so many times that we can be like the disciples. We think it's about one thing, and Jesus is like, no, it's about this other thing. We can get our minds so focused that it's about one thing that's always been about something else, that, that we can mix up two things that sound very similar and get things completely wrong. And Jesus looks at him. They're like, Jesus, are we now going to take our country back? And he tells them, tells them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. It's not for you to know the times or the dates that God had set. It wasn't for them to know what God's schedule was, what God's plan was. There it is to, to be obedient, to continue. See, because it's never been about country. It was never about nation. It was always about the kingdom of God. 
And so just in a few years, in AD 70, Rome will come in. They will knock down the walls of Jerusalem. They will destroy the temple. The nation of Israel will be no more, but the kingdom of God will continue. By 476 AD, the Roman Empire that had, had grown so expansive that, that from the time of Constantine on really kind of became a Christian empire and helped spread gospel throughout the known world would all of a sudden become overrun and would fall. All of a sudden, this, this, this great and mighty empire that everybody thought would, would, would last forever, that would reign forever, would be utterly destroyed. But the kingdom of God would continue. We go through uh, the, the, the Middle Ages, kind of the Dark Ages. All of a sudden, things tend to like revert and go backwards. And all of a sudden, we, over time, we see uh, Europe rise in power. And many of the European nations, the European countries, would, would at some point rise in power and, and fall. But the kingdom of God continued. And even our country, the United States of America, We've risen to a position and a place of power in our world. And we may continue to rise and we may fall. But the kingdom of God will continue. See, it's never been about nation. It's never been about country. It's always been about the kingdom of God. And sometimes I think we get like the disciples and we think, are we going to take our country back? And if we are more concerned about saving America than Americans, we have missed the point. See, I love our country. I just love God's kingdom more. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the nation to Israel? And you got to think Jesus does the whole face palm theme going, man, guys, do not get it. It's not about country, about nation. It's not about nation. It's about the kingdom of God. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. Says you will receive power. God will give you this gift. God will give you this power to do what? To be my witnesses, to tell his story, to continue to take the teachings of Jesus where? To Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And for those of you who've been in church for longer than a minute, you've probably heard a sermon or 20 on this verse. Because churches like ours love to come back to the book of Acts, love to start here in Acts 1-8 and go, this is what we're supposed to do. God's going to give us this power through his spirit and take the gospel to the world. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit to assist in the mission of taking the gospel to ever-widening concentric circles around our home base. Says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So they're not going to do this in their own power. They're not going to do this in their own wisdom. They're not going to do this in their own strength. They're going to do this through the power that God has given them. And what is this that he's given them to do? He's given them to be his witnesses, to share his story. 
is where they're going to go. They're going to start in Jerusalem. And the idea about starting in Jerusalem reminds us that we must start at home. We've got to start in our own homes with our own uh, families, with our own children, with our own spouses, with our own family members in whatever realm of, of extended family that is. We must start at home. And not just home, but also uh, right there where we live. Be it our neighbors and our neighborhoods. Be it our, 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 our jobs and those we work with, those that we um, uh, play with, those that we, uh, who run the same teams, run the same clubs, run the same groups that we interact with each other. Those who would, who would say these are part of our home, we must start there. Do those who we encounter frequently, do they know? Do they know about Jesus? Because the Spirit has given us power to be witnesses for, for Jesus starting at home. See, if we want to be a healthy, vibrant church, we have to start at home. We must make sharing the gospel part of our normal daily routine. That as we go through life, those who are nearest, they know that we have opportunities to share with them about the faith that we have. See, many churches, they focus evangelism and mission in foreign lands. It's for over there. It's for in that place. It's overseas. It's not here. And they forget about their own backyard. But if we're going to be a healthy, growing church, the gospel has to start at home. It has to start with us. And it has to become uh, so alive and, and, and burning inside of us that it can't help but to come out. Jerusalem reminds us we must start at home. But we don't just stay in Jerusalem. Jesus says, it's not just for Jerusalem. It's also for Judea and Samaria. And so it reminds us that we must take the gospel to those who are like us and those who are not like us. To those who are like us and to those who are not like us. You see, those who are, who are like us, they, they, they're, they're the ones who are in Judea. Judea is, was the state, essentially, that Jerusalem was in. And so those are those who, people who are maybe a little bit further from us, but they're very similar to us. We have similar background. We have similar history. We've experienced similar things. But Samaria, well, Samaria, they were, there's a long and complicated history there. And, and there's, they're similar to us. They're like us in a way, but they're also very much not like us. Their uh, uh, background, their history, their ethnicity, there's some tensions there. And so it reminds us that the gospel is not for the, just for those who are alike with us, but also those who are quite not like us. Jesus says we have to start at home. We have to extend ourselves. Just a little bit. We, there, there, there's going to be some effort that has to go in into sharing the gospel. It's not always going to be right there at our front door. It's not going to always be easy for us to do. Sometimes there's going to be some effort for us. We might have to cross some racial boundaries. We might have to cross some economic boundaries. We might have to cross some, some, uh, some other areas of tension because people's experiences are different than ours. But the effort, the effort must be made so that we can help take the gospel to those who are near us. And ultimately, Jesus said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that reminds us that we have to make sure that everybody knows that God is for them. Remember, for, for God so loved 
the world. And how can they know unless someone goes, unless we go and tell them? But Jesus kind of gives them an order of things, don't they? He, he gives them kind of a, 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 an order of things of how they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it. And he's like, first, you must wait in Jerusalem, right? You need to wait for the gift. Wait, you're not going to go and do this in your own power. You're not going to go do this in your own strength. You're not going to go do this in your own wisdom and knowledge. Because if we do things that we think we know are right and we, and we miss them, we can mess up quite royally, right? Has anyone ever thought they knew exactly what they knew they needed to do? And then when they realized as you get along the way, you're like, I have no clue what I'm doing. And we go, praise God for YouTube, right? Whoever came up with the idea of YouTube and said, hey, here's the video of how to not mess up and how not to you know, get yourself in a complete bind, do this first. YouTube can be a beautiful thing. Jesus, wait for the gift. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. So if you are here today, if you're a believer in Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, we no longer have to wait for the gift because the gift has, we believe the gift has already been given to you. That the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our life when we confessed him as our Savior, when we repented of our sins, when we were baptized into him, the Holy Spirit came into us that he is now making residence inside of us and preparing us uh, both for ministry and for the day when Jesus comes back to take us to heaven. That the purpose of, of, of uh, the Holy Spirit is to uh, create it, to, to make us new in Jesus, to, to, to make us holy, to purify us from our sin, and to you, prepare us for the ministry that God has for us. And so if you have the Spirit in you, you no longer need to wait. We don't need to wait for directions because they've already been given to us. At this time, you say, hey, you need to wait here. Wait for the gift. And when it comes, the, the gift will be given to you so that you can be his witnesses, so you can tell his story. My witnesses. What, what's a witness? Witness, in, in the way we typically use it, is, is, is someone who, who gives testimony in, uh, in, in court about what they either know or what they have seen. Either what, they have no, what they know or they've seen. There's, there's eyewitness testimony and there's expert testimony, right? Here's the things that I saw in regards to this case. Here are things that I know in regards to uh, 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 things around this case. You have eyewitness and expert testimony. And in the way that God has worked in your life, the way that God has moved in your life, he has prepared you for this moment, you have both eyewitness and expert testimony. You are the perfect person to tell someone about what God has done in your life and through your life. And what better way to share and and introduce someone to Jesus than tell them what he's already done for you. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, you've gone to one of these things where people are trying to sell you to, to get this thing or that thing, and 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 so you'll have someone come up and they'll, they'll give you like all the the, the the logic, all the scientific, all the science stuff, and and all the uh, all these uh, hardcore reasons, and they never just leave it just there, right? No, no, no. They always say, "Hey, we're now going to bring up Joe. We're going to bring up Pam, and they're going to tell you how this product has helped them." And they come up and they give their personal testimony about whatever it is. You know, this software saved my business. Whatever it might be, this, this medical treatment, you know, saved my life. They give their story. Maybe you remember a time 
Jesus was traveling and they, he and the disciples went across the Sea of Galilee to go to this other side. And as they land, uh, the local welcoming party was a demon-possessed man. He comes running down the hill and uh, he is, they, they, they had tried to chain him up. They, they had cast him out. He was out in the tombs and he comes down and Jesus, in this encounter, uh, uh, re- removes the, the, the cast the demons out of this man. And all of a sudden, there's some crazy commotion, and the, uh, the, uh, the people from the town come out to see what was going on. And when they get there, they see this demon-possessed man, and they are more uh, freaked out now than they typically would be, because now this guy who used to be all crazy and out of control is sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they are more scared about that than seeing him naked running around crazy demon-possessed. And there's this encounter. And Jesus is getting ready to go back to the other side of the lake. And the demon-possessed man comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. Now, why wouldn't Jesus want this guy to come with him? Why wouldn't he want him to, to follow him and to learn from him and to, and to grow and to, and to learn more about God? He's like, no, 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 no. I need you to go home. Go back to your people. Go back to where you live and tell them, what God has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And that's what he tells us. I am giving you the Holy Spirit, so you can be my witness in your Jerusalem, in your Judea and Samaria, and to wherever your ends of the earth are, that when you go, you will tell others how, what God has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. Because you're both the expert witness and the eyewitness test, eyewitness. Uh, you can provide eyewitness testimony of those things in your life. See, the Spirit, the Spirit helps us to tell Jesus' story. See, the Spirit's not concerned with building my kingdom. He's not concerned with building our country or our nation. The Spirit's main concern is to build up the kingdom of God and to help his people be more like Jesus, to make his name famous. And you want to know how he accomplishes this? By empowering God's people with gifts and abilities. You might remember a month or two ago, during our Grow Up series, I preached a sermon on 1 Corinthians 12. And in that sermon, we talked about different ways that the Spirit has gifted each and every one of us. He's gifted us differently so that together we can accomplish the mission of God together. He's, he, he's gifted all of us in different ways. None of us are alike. Just like our fingerprints are different, the way the, the Spirit of God empowers us and when we use us are vastly different. Not everybody can be an eye. Not everybody can be a hand. But we all play a part. We all have a role. There is none of us that is the appendix in the kingdom of God. Right? I'm just here. I'm just along for the ride. No, there's, there is no role like that in, in the church. That We are all to play apart. And if you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then God through his Holy Spirit living in you has gifted you with an ability, with a skill to be used to accomplish the mission of God. Matthew wrote down a a similar account of the the, the same uh, event. Jesus is about to be taken up into heaven. He looked at them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. See, the purpose of the church, the mission of the followers of Jesus is to make disciples of all nations. That we are to go and we are to help others uh, uh, become part of God's family. And how are we to do this? How are we to make disciples? First, we have to go. First, we have to go. That might be going home. That might be going across the street. That might be going to the other cubicle. That might be going to a friend's house. We need to go to those who are near us who do not know and share with them about the message of Jesus. We need to go. We need to baptize them. When they believe, we need to help uh, introduce them and, and identify them with Jesus. That they, as they accept Jesus as their Savior, we baptize them into his name and to continue to teach them all, all the ways of Jesus. And we accomplish this by using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. One of those gifts is the gift of evangelism. And you might be going, Mike, that's, that's not my gift. But that doesn't keep us from evangelizing. That's not an excuse. That's not a reason for us not to evangelize. Oh, that's, that's not my gift. Whatever gifts we have been given, we must use them. We're called to use them in the advancement of the mission of God. So that all of our gifts added up together help others along the way. Help others come to see and to know who Jesus is. So as we use our gifts in ministry, some of those are to be used in a public way. Some of them are to be used up on stage. Some of them are to be used out in the community. Some of them are in the building. Some of them are are, are hands-on with others. Some of those may be behind closed doors. However we've been gifted, we must use those gifts to the advancement of the mission of God in this place. If not, we will never become a vibrant, healthy, growing church. And eventually, this building could be used for vastly other things. But if we want to see this church grow, if we want to see this church uh, be vibrant, if we want to see this church be healthy, if we want to see this church grow, we must use the gifts the Holy Spirit has given us in the advancement of the ministry of the church here. We must all begin to have some skin in the game to put our best efforts to work, to advance his mission, his cause in this place. So we've all been given gifts to, and we've all been commissioned to use them for the mission of Jesus. In most churches, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Can you imagine, can you imagine how much more we could accomplish if more people took on more work, took on more uh, 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 initiative, took on more uh, ideas to serve? How many more people could hear about Jesus? How many more people uh, could our church reach? How much more life could our church have if more people were involved in the ministry of the church? So to use our God-given gifts to accomplish the Great Commission, that's why the Spirit empowers us to tell Jesus' story. So maybe today, maybe today uh, you need to take your first step into that life. Maybe today you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, to, ex- to offer, accept his offer of salvation today. 
to make him your savior, to, to, to begin to, to learn to live your life fully devoted to him, to meet him in that place so that he can give you his Holy Spirit. So he can begin to, to make you new and to empower you with gifts and abilities to be used for his kingdom. Maybe today, maybe today you need to decide to serve. Maybe you realize you've been sitting on the bench for far too long. Maybe it's time to, to begin to, to re-engage with your community, with your house, with your uh, friends, with your family, to maybe to re-engage in the ministry of the church here. Maybe today, I need to pick up the mantle and serve again. There are many places you know, uh, up in front, teaching in classes, even behind the scenes, uh, working in various areas. And we could use help to advance the mission and the ministry of the church here to be able to put our gifts to use to accomplish the Great Commission here. Maybe, maybe today, you're, I just need to be, I need to get out and I need to share my story. I need to share what God has done for me, how he's, what he's done for me, how he has had mercy on me with those who are around me. Did you know that most people will come to church if invited by a friend? The question is, how many of us have invited friends to come? How many of us have, 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 have offered that invitation to, to, to engage in a journey to find faith in Jesus? See, each week we want to help you grow in your faith, to put action to your faith, to advance your journey with Jesus. We can't possibly know what step you need to take next. We can't know where this message finds you, how, how you heard things, today, how you experienced it today. But we do know that a choice made without telling others, without the, the opportunity for accountability, those choices rarely get completed. They rarely get taken. And so today, we do, I'd invite you to, to come up and, and, and talk to me, talk to someone who you saw on stage today, to, uh, to, talk, talk to uh, any of our elders, uh, uh, Mark or Jim as well, and come talk to them and say, hey, this is where I feel God leading me. This is the step I need to take today. Maybe you're at home and you can't have that conversation with us. Maybe uh, you, you don't want to approach us. Today. You can also let us know by filling out the Connect card at cchmd.com slash connect. Check the box in the next steps area that best represents the step you need to take, take today. We want to uh, pray for you. We want to follow up with you. We want to resource you to help you be able to take your next step with Jesus. I want us to remember that as we leave here today, that we do not go alone. That if we are believers in Jesus, that the Spirit goes with us, that he's empowered us to go to be his witnesses wherever we go. And that by sharing our story, we can help others begin their journey with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the life that we have in you. We think, I thank you that you do not leave us alone to do ministry by ourselves, just under our own knowledge, our own thought, our own uh, way of doing things. But that, Father, you meet us here in this place. And as we go, you're with us wherever we go, empowering us, encouraging us, resourcing us to be obedient to you. That, Father, you might use us to help others know about Jesus. Father, I thank you that you met us where we were at, broken and sinful and far from you, and that you made a way for us to be restored to you, that you use people like us to accomplish your mission. So Father, I pray that as we leave here today, that we would make your name great, that we would make you 
famous. That's never been about us. That's never been about our country, but it's always been about your kingdom. And that we accomplish your good deeds, your desires, your will with our life. Father, we thank you that you've saved us. We thank you that you're currently saving us. And we thank you for one day that you will come back to take us home to be with you. Until that day, would you continue to empower us and strengthen us to live like Jesus and to help point others to know him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, we are glad that you've taken time out of your schedule today to join us either here in house or join us online when you, when you watch with us. We pray that you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.